Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, it's Ty Hudson from here at the HTP again. Thank you for downloading and listening. Before we really kick this episode off really fast, I wanted to give you guys a, a heads up or a PSA, if you will. This Wednesday, January 22nd, there's going to be a pregame party or a watch party hosted on behalf of the Arkansas Alumni Association at Black Apple Crossing at 321 East Emma Avenue in Springdale, Arkansas. Again, that's 321 East Emma in Springdale. Black Apple Crossing. They got some delicious cider. Why not come cheer on the Hogs as they take on Mississippi State and be around some fellow Hog fans? I will be there as well. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. Hopefully you guys can come out and join us. Thanks again. Woo pig. Yo, what is going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to episode 58 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Got a treat for you. Uh, Our boy, our producer, Porter, unable to make today's show, so filling in for him is Mr. One and only Kyle Sutherland from Tex Hogs. How are you doing, my man? I am doing great, guys. It's great to be on with you again. It's been too long, not going to lie. These two are like, hey, we need to get Kyle back on. We need to get Kyle back on. I'm like, no, you're right. We do. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful Porter hit me up today. He was like, hey, he's going to have to take my spot. And I was like, you know what? I'm 100% down. Jacob, how you doing? He's here. Jacob Scott Davis. He's back to back. How you doing, Jacob? Bang, bang. Bang, bang. I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing? Not too bad. Enjoying the on and off again, ridiculous, typical Arkansas weather. That's what I'm dealing with up here. Um, cool. Well, thank you guys for taking time out of your day, Kyle. I know uh, you and I both. I'm trying to keep up with the with the playoffs, and um, I'm, I'm doing my best. So I'm gonna, we're going to try and get through this. It'll probably be your typical 45 minute, maybe hour long episode. We'll just kind of wing it, but. A lot of football going on today with the playoffs. But we'll start off first. You guys, you watched buzzer to buzzer with this Kentucky game. I'll, I'll start with Kyle. What what were your thoughts, buzzer to buzzer? I know Cal got ejected. We all got a hoot out of that. Um, just your thoughts and and uh, what you liked and what you didn't like. Obviously, they lost. I know we didn't like that. But beyond that, what were the pros and cons from this game? Just kind of give us your thoughts on the game. Well, we still have yet to have a game where, even though we're at three losses now, that we have not been disappointed. We know that this team is maybe the the best effort of, of giving any of any team in the entire country, and so it's nice to see that Muss is really really taking what he's been given with not much size and really not a whole lot of quality depth, and he's been able to do what he has been able to and. It's, I think this was really that game for us, and I posted this on my Facebook yesterday, that this was kind of like from 1991. when Now, the 1991 team, of course, was a lot more talented, but just in general, that was that one where Larry Johnson came up to the bench and told Nolan, you need to go get you some men. And I think really, even though we do have men on this team, again, that, that play their butts off every single game, but we're just not quite there yet. That's the reality of it. I mean, when you think about it, that 
we were projected to finish 11th in, in the SEC. And I think when it's all said and done, we will be a top four team getting the double bye in Nashville. But we just don't have the size right now. Even if we did, even if we we did get some quality minutes from guys like Ethan Henderson and Gene Tosilla and and consistent minutes from Reggie Chaney, I still just don't know that they would be able to compete with the big boys quite yet. Uh, just because they they just don't have the pieces in place yet. But but they're getting there. They're number five in the in the country right now for 2020 and recruiting. And so uh, I thought overall it was a great game. I will take to my grave, as I tweeted this yesterday, that I think that that was totally calculated, that Cal got ejected. I think that it just all fell into place to where they needed a spark, and he gave it to them by that happening. But overall, I'm very happy with where they're at right now. Never happy with the loss, never satisfied with that. But I think that this team is, is really set for some big things moving on as we get to the halfway point of the season. Well, they got a they got a tough one coming up again. It's, uh, you're starting to feel like the SEC is getting to the point where – there are no off games, and I know any of us who have that gamer mentality, those don't exist anyways, but you know what I mean, and, and uh, it used to be like, oh, okay, you got Mississippi State, who cares, you got Ole Miss, yeah, whatever, now it's starting to change a little bit where it's like game to game, you better bring it, or you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be holding the L when it's all said and done. Jacob, uh, I, I, again, I know you got a chance to listen to this thing or watch it, buzzer to buzzer, uh, Arkansas gets out-rebounded. By I think 14, 35. Is that right? No, it's 47. My God. 47 to 29. Are you what is this? Is this do you see that is now that they're getting into the deeper part of the SEC where you're starting to see teams with what we call size and a combination with, with size and talent? Do you see Arkansas being able to overcome that? I know they have so far, but again, those I don't think some of those teams were as talented as Kentucky, we've already seen them struggle against LSU on the road in that department and rebounding, rebounding. They're getting deeper and deeper into the SEC. Do you see Arkansas overcoming this rebounding issue whatsoever or, or finding a way to get around it? You, that's, that's the thing. You get around it by forcing turnovers, blocking shots, kind of playing hard-nosed defense because right now, at this point in the season, you're going to have to find ways to, to beat these guys. Kentucky is always going to have size. They're always going to have those big men that are lottery picks. But, I mean, when you start facing teams like South Carolina or or Georgia, those teams don't have the size. I mean, you, there's there's four teams in this conference. LSU, you've got Tennessee, or usually have Tennessee and uh, Florida and Kentucky that always have the size. And that's what you're going to have to overcome with. And and you know turnovers, forcing turnovers is the big thing, and and it's just kind of the same as it was what it was under the Mike Anderson era. It's forcing turnovers, getting those uh, getting those turnovers to points. That's the big thing, and Musselman has preached it with defense, defense, defense. So that's the only reason Arkansas stayed in this game uh, yesterday was because of the the points off turnovers and the defense. I mean, they they allowed five three pointers. Uh, they, they face guard pretty well against the guys over there uh, from three around the perimeter. Uh, as long as you can – my thing is is if six feet away from the basket and out, if you can play solid defense, Arkansas can give up whatever they want to down low. Just play solid defense away from the basket, and I think you'll uh, find a little bit of success. They, uh, they're going to play – Mississippi State on the road. 
Um, and that's on the 22nd, 6 p.m. on SEC Network. Mississippi State favored in this one by almost at 66%. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised by that. But then again, Mississippi State's playing some really good basketball. They're 11, what are they, 11 and 6, I think, 2 and 3 in conference play. Um, you know, I don't want to fast forward to that game just yet, but it's sticking with this Kentucky game. You know, Arkansas, it's not like they, you know, free throw line, they shot roughly 67%. They shot 31% from three-point range, 8 of 26, 19 to 57 from the floor at 33%. I mean, those aren't, they're not terrific numbers, but they're not terrible numbers. But once again, I don't know about you guys, I'm just, I'm so concerned, not just size and the lack of quality talent. God, I love that term, by the way, Kyle. Thank you for bringing that up, my man. We've talked about that here all the time. Quality depth. You know, they don't really have it. But the thing that concerns me the most is their bench. They're they're not really getting a whole lot of production from their bench, or when they do, it's very inconsistent. Are they are they going to ever figure that out this year, Kyle? I I think that in terms of you would think by this point that that Reggie Chaney or especially Gene Tosilla would have turned it on. I don't think that it's going to be as bad the entire season as it has been. But you you look at somebody like Gene Tosilla, and he's a grad transfer, scored over a thousand points. At, I believe it was Florida Gulf Coast, one of those schools over there that he that he came from, and it's like how he, he's just been so bad on the offensive end. He almost just hasn't even had a pulse, as really as I've heard people say. He played he's played some decent minutes on the defensive end, as we've seen at times, but just not much. We haven't gotten anything from Ethan Henderson, and Reggie Cheney had probably the, I would say the second best game of his career uh, the other night, besides the one that he had in the NIT game. Uh, against Indiana last year but you, again you just you would hope that one of those guys would just step up consistently you saw that Jalen Harris played pretty good minutes yesterday yeah uh, he hit two threes which is something that we don't I think he was two out of three uh from from deep so that's not something that you see consistently with him but going back kind of what, what Jacob was saying about the rebounding look you look at LSU and Kentucky probably the two best teams that we've played this year you get out rebounded 100 to 53 and that's in, in those two games. And that's just mm-hmm. obviously not a recipe for success. And and certainly it, it looks a lot better with how we were able to stay in the LSU game and even the Kentucky game with how bad it was. But as bad as they were yesterday on the on the in terms of rebounding, then you, you're not going to win too many games either shooting 33 percent. And then also, what was it like, 65 percent when they from on the free throw stripe? So it's just. I think that really everything's just going to have to come together perfectly uh, if they're not going to. I just I don't see especially making a deep run when you're not getting any quality minutes from your guys off the bench, at least as we as we keep saying consistently. But I I really just I try to be positive as I can be, but I don't I think that this is a tournament team. I do believe that, but I don't really know that they're going to get past that point. But it, but you have to go back to the what I mentioned earlier about them finishing 11th in the SEC. They've already surpassed expectations in my book, and I certainly don't see them having any kind of letdowns. Musk was very confident in his in his postgame presser yesterday. Some called him a bad loser because he didn't look up at the camera, whatever. There's always going to be excuses, or, or somebody's always got something to say during a loss. But I definitely think that we have the right coaching staff in place, and, and with how hard these guys are playing, Effort alone will continue to win them basketball games down the stretch. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's. I'm with you 100. I, I, I said preseason. I said this is not a tournament team. You know, I was I with the same thing. I was with everybody. I said they're going to have a hard time getting to 14, 15 wins. That's going to be tough just to do that because of the what we thought was, 
you know, the question marks with these with these incoming guys. We knew that Vanover probably wasn't going to get cleared because, you know, we're Arkansas, whatever. But And then the size factor, all these things, they just didn't have it. And here's Musselman. I mean, my God, you're 14-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in conference. I mean, if you're not satisfied with this right now, or at least not excited about the future, especially with this recruiting class coming in, I don't know that you are really keeping up with what's happening. And I did see that. I saw some of that. I, I got a little bit of time Saturday. I was... Sadly, I was unable to kind of keep up with everything. I had some other stuff going on in my personal life that I was unable to, to watch the game on, on Saturday, but I was going through social media what little time I had, and it was just, I don't know, just constant negativity. You're going to find that on social media. I get it. I've been on Twitter for like 10 years. I get it, but it's just it's a little disheartening when you see people that you kind of have – you had a little bit of confidence in before, like, oh, okay, they know what they're talking about, and then they go in on some stuff that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I will say this too: uh, eight offensive rebounds to to Kentucky's twelve. That's that's hey, I'm going to take that. I know some of that might have come later. I don't know. Unfortunately, I haven't had time to go back and watch the game fully yet. I've only caught the highlights, but that's at least an improvement. I don't know that they've had eight offensive rebounds in conference. I don't think they have in conference play all year. And like you said, Jalen Harris was fifty percent at three point range. We haven't seen that this year. I hope we. It'd be nice to see him log 25, 30 minutes and be able to knock down to, to have that same kind of production on the court. And Chaney, who logged uh, 15 minutes, he had an offensive rebound. He did have a block, but then he, he you know turned the ball over. He had two fouls. He only wound up with four points. But, yeah, I the bench is still – it's concerning to me because of the inconsistency, and there's no one really coming off the bench that you feel that – excited about and I was kind of hoping Silla would be that guy or Chaney I know a lot of people were big on Chaney it just hasn't really happened yet no consistency there uh, so we'll go ahead and fast forward to the Mississippi State game really quick I know Friday is typically when we'll really jot that thing down but uh, I'll just ask you guys this Arkansas at 34 uh, percent Mississippi State according to ESPN's basketball power index 65 percent uh, do you think that's about right, uh, Jacob? I'll start with you. Do, you. do you feel like that's about where they should be, or maybe it should be closer to 50%, 50-50? I'll take it. I think ESPN has it right. Uh, the hump has always been a hard place to win for Arkansas. Arkansas hasn't had a history of, of winning on the road at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's usually, a, uh, I mean, under Rick Stansberry, they're a powerhouse. Ben Howland, they're due, I'm telling you. <laughs> ben Howland. <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet because I thought uh, he'd be competing for SEC championships already. But I give Arkansas a chance just because of effort alone. Like Kyle said, uh, I've been impressed with the effort uh, put forth by Arkansas, especially by Mason Jones. Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, by every single player on this team, Desi plays hard uh, on defense uh, game after game after game. He's one of the best defenders. Um if Arkansas can play lockdown defense like they've been playing all season long, I absolutely give them a chance, a hundred percent chance to win the ball game. What do you if think? They can figure out the shooting moves. Kyle, where are you at? Do you think you like that or not? I, I, sometimes we kind of overlook these the analytics, the analytical side yeah, of this. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with Jacob on it. Uh, Mississippi State, it just seems to ha- have our number just about it. whether they come to Fayetteville or whether I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago when Dusty Hannah's almost got into it with one of their players. That game, we were actually really good that year. They came into Fayetteville and beat us, and I believe they beat us in, in Starkville that same season as well. 
And you got guys like Reggie Perry. He's averaging a double-double right now. He's got some good size with him. And then, of course, one of the Weatherspoon brothers is still there. I believe he's a senior. And and Ben Howland, and that's another point I want to piggyback off, Jacob, is this guy is a – you don't really hear much about him anymore, but this is the same guy that took UCLA to, like – I think it was – of course, it is UCLA. But I think he took him to the three Final Fours. So, I mean, the guy can coach. He can recruit. And he's done a pretty good job at Mississippi State. I thought that he would be competing for SEC titles by now as well. But you can, regardless of how good a team is, we say this all the time, but SEC road games or just conference road games in general are tough. But I think coming off of a loss, must even said in this press conference, we don't lose back-to-back. And so I think that that confidence that he has that, that really reflects the players show like that everything that he says and everything that he is about, they bought into. And so I do trust the fact that they're going to go there and, and not lay an egg. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win it, uh, but I, I don't know that I'm – the ESPN is a little bit too much on their side. I would probably put it at maybe 55-45 in Mississippi State's favor, maybe 60-40 at the most. But I definitely think that they're going to go down there and, and they're going to compete as we've seen them do all season. Um, so hopefully it's not going to be like one of those typical road games that we would see under Mike Anderson where, and again, I, I, I am a Mike guy. I don't want to go down that road, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to start a whole entirely new argument, but we would see that consistently under Mike Anderson that they go on the road and just lay an egg. And I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, either, even if they don't win it, I still think that it's going to be competitive and it'll be within a couple of points. It always is. And like you said, this game gets chippy and it, it's going to be interesting to watch and to see Arkansas you know, for the first time this year, lose back-to-back games. If that happens, I fully expect Twitter to have a meltdown. I fully expect Arkansas fans to just be like, oh, it's over, we're back to reality, blah, blah, blah. They they continuously have these emotional reactions on social media, and it's like, hang on. Of course, it depends on how this thing ends. Arkansas could win it, but I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. I think it probably should be like 60-40 in Mississippi State's favor. It's already hard to, you know, again, you guys already killed this. You, already, you knocked it out of the park. It's hard to win. In conference play on the road, power five games on the road. As we've if we as we've seen Arkansas get a couple of nice wins on the road, should have beaten Western Kentucky. They really should have had that one. But you know, they the Western Kentucky had one of the best inside guys in all of basketball until he got until he was uh, injured. Sadly, the last three minutes of that game, I think Western Kentucky would be a tournament team if he were still healthy. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Perry is a hell of a player. I mean, yeah, averaging a double-double, that's a, that's crazy. It's going to be hard. We know it's going to be pretty hostile. I think that I'm surprised the capacity of Humphrey is only – it's it's under 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 12, is it not? Under 12 or 11,000 in capacity in that place? That sounds about right. I was going to say between 12 and 14, uh, so not quite to the extent that Bud Walton is, but – uh, but yeah, they. I, I'm not really sure. How, I haven't seen. I have not actually watched Mississippi State play this year. I, I think I actually watched them for maybe a couple of minutes a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, just because I happened to be flipping. But uh, I, I think they pack it pretty pretty deep though in there, and uh, they're so it's it's around the 12 to 14 range. So again, not quite to the extent that Bud is, but. It's one of those places where they may not have the capacity, but my God, it gets loud in there, and it's it's just it can be hostile, and especially with Mississippi State. Kind of, I mean, they look like a according to their record. I'm with you. I've not I've not watched them a whole lot. I've I've caught a little bit, but I mean, eleven and five, eleven and six, two and three conference. Your fans are probably still somewhat excited, and it's Arkansas coming to town who who was red hot. I think they're still going to be hyped up going into this game but yeah it's going to be uh, an interesting environment yeah i just found it it's 10,575 is their capacity 
Oh, I did not know it was that low. I didn't know it was that low either. I, I knew it was low, sub twelve, sub eleven. I didn't. I. I mean, or sub twelve. I didn't know it was. It was ten five. That's. Uh, man, that's not that much for an SEC. Not for a Power Five place. Not like a place like Mississippi State where their fans think they walk on water. Uh, so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Kentucky, as far as where I'm at with it, with that game, again, I have not had a chance to completely watch this game, buzzer to buzzer, but uh, I saw that offensive rebound number, and I I was a little surprised against Kentucky in that size for them to have, you know, 29 total rebounds, but, you know, the eight offensive rebounds, 21 defensive, not terrible, but the eight offensive rebounds kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Your leading scorer in that one was, of course, Mason Jones. How many turnovers did he have, Jacob? Can we talk about that for a second? Nope. I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't I think so. Buckets. I count buckets. I don't count turnovers. <laughs> Four turnovers. Even though even though I did get I was pissed off at him. Whoa. Because Whoa. They're, they're, that that, look, so Arkansas, they're I mean, I think they you either if you if you drive down and you, you tie it on that possession or you take the lead, Mason Jones just runs wild from the end of the court and runs into a Kentucky man, turns it over, and I'm thinking, dude, we could have taken the lead here. What in the world are you thinking? And he, and Kentucky drives back down the court, and, uh, uh, man, it, it was just frustrating. Just some bonehead turnovers from everybody. Isaiah Joe uh, kind of lost his shot. I don't know what, what's going on with him, and, Jimmy Witt, after having a hot night against Bandy, just wasn't himself either, even though he ended up with 13 points. He was but, perfect I mean, at the free throw line, though. Can you believe that? With that ugly-ass yeah, shot, he was 8 for 8 at the free throw line with 14 points. Yeah. that yeah, he, He's got a hideous yeah, shot, but I, I love watching him play. Man. But it, that shot <laughs> yeah. is just atrociously bad. It like, is. just the way it looks. It's so bad. See, but I don't remember him as a freshman having the hops that he has now. I, like, I just don't remember him having those hops that he had as a freshman at Arkansas. It's just it's weird to me. But he can he can dunk some violent stuff. It's funny, you know. We talked about this in other podcasts on other episodes about apparently the way defense is adjusted to his game. You know that fifteen footer. It's just it doesn't look it, but it's deadly. Typically, now he goes three of nine from the floor. Like you mentioned, Jacob, he didn't shoot so well. Really, nobody did. Uh, Mason Jones, 5 of 15, and Isaiah Joe, 4 of 14, Sills, 1 of 6, and Bailey, 2 of 5. But uh, what defenses were doing were saying, force him to make a play at the rim. Well, then that backfired. I think it was LSU that had that kind of adjustment, and then Ole Miss kind of did something similar, tried to put a guy with some wingspan on him, someone with size. But then he was able to just play out, and then I think what they're trying to do now is push him out further to the perimeter, and that maybe that has something to do with the eight offensive rebounds. I don't know because it seems like they want to put either a four or a five on Wit, force him out to the perimeter. They don't know how to defend this guy. He's a distraction. Now again, you get po- points or points. Fourteen points or fourteen points. He found a way to get Absolutely. to the free throw line. But yeah, three of nine, not his best night. Again, I'm going to have to completely watch this game tonight and see just kind of what all happened. Uh, so I don't have all the insight in the world, not near as much as you two do. Unfortunate loss. There's a lot of positivity from this game. Now, being someone who who only sees the highlights, didn't get to watch this thing, 
Where is this coming from? I'm, I mean, it seems like overall, though, there's a real positive vibe. What did I miss? What 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 is what am I going to watch tonight when I actually get a chance to sit and watch this game on my I, on my uh, YouTube cloud? You know, on my DVR. What is it that I'm going to be looking for here? What did they do that was so positive, uh, Kyle? I, I would say that any time that they, besides at the very end, whenever they really after the Cal ejection. It seems like it kind of seemed it went downhill from there and just completely shifted into the momentum went to Kentucky. But just kind of like we've seen all year, like we saw against Ole Miss and LSU, a lot, uh, I would even say Valparaiso, if I pronounced that right. They, <laughs> they've been down by up even up to 10-plus points, and they continue to come back. This team is just that, – and that's why I, I never give up hope until we really get down to about the final two minutes because yesterday they were, of course, down by 10. And even, Jacob, I don't know if you remember, but at, what, 22 seconds left, they got it to four points because Kentucky, they, they basically just kind of went to sleep during a timeout when they were reviewing something. And it was like we got down to like four or five points. So we're like, maybe we got a chance here if we actually play the kind of defense we're capable of playing. But that's this team never goes away. They play whistle to whistle. The very beginning to the very end, and that's that's just a credit to what Muss has brought in. And so, it just kind of like we've seen in previous games, I think you're going to see you're going to see a lot of frustrating things. But at the same time, this team just did not. Where the the crowd, of course, was was incredible. Definitely, I got to give credit to what they were able to do. I talked to quite a few people whenever whenever Cal got ejected. They said that that was the most electric they have ever heard that stadium and this or that arena. And they've been to multiple games there. I mean, it was just I even actually had to turn down the volume just because of whenever he got ejected, like it was about to blow my speakers. And I really didn't even have it up that loud. And I that is not made up. I, so, I saw that. Someone said their subs, they had their subs on for the game for the surround sound, and they had to turn their subs off. Yeah, it was it was insane and, and just completely deafening. I mean, of course, you saw – and you'll see another. I don't want to spoil too much for you, but one of the Kentucky players actually, when they were trying to pull Cal away – he was plugging his ears Saw because that. it was just so insanely loud in there. And um, but you're just, you're going to see what we've seen all year. Just a bunch of fight. This this team is just extremely gritty. The uh, the perimeter defense is just phenomenal uh, from for the most part from what we've seen this year. And um, it's it's obviously disappointing at the end. But I'm not I'm not upset about this game. Yeah, I'm sad we lost, but. There's been so many games, obviously, with football and, and baseball, some, and even basketball, that, that you just walk away and you're like, man, like we really just had that. And for the most part, I think that we did. But once he got ejected, they went on like a 17-2 to run, and just there was really no looking back. Their, their talent and their shot, their size showed. And uh, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports had mentioned that you know Kentucky's had some struggles this year, that but they've beaten Louisville, they've beaten Michigan State. Yeah, this could be the game that they really turn the corner and they become Kentucky, what we see just about every year from them when they possibly make a deep run into the tournament. I mean, like you said, they're always going to have lottery talent just about every single year or every single year for that matter. And so that's just it is what it is, and we're just we're not quite there yet, but we have more than surpassed expectations, and I'm really excited to see what we have moving. All right, good stuff, good stuff. You guys brought it. Thanks for that. Let's uh, move on to recruiting. Jacob, Arkansas got some commitments this weekend. Uh, they got what was it three? I think right on on uh, on Saturday. Am I am I wrong on that? It was uh, yeah Turner, the outside linebacker. Let's see, uh, Kerry Johnson. So you, there's your two, and I'm trying to look for number three. Eric, Eric, Thomas. Eric Thomas. There he is. Uh, Jacob, what what do you what do you think of these three? What do you make of them? What do you got? 
I was surprised by Eric Thomas. I didn't think he was going to commit this weekend just because Florida had been on him uh, heavily. And, I mean, he has the size at a uh, – let's see here. I got it written down. Eric Thomas, 6'3", 230, uh, defensive end. He can, he's the same size as uh, kind of what a Mateo Solee was last year. He's, he's a violent hitter. Uh, he's, he's, he can wrap up and tackle pretty well. I like him. Uh, Kari Johnson, a defensive back. Obviously, Arkansas had to see something. The staff had to see something in him for them to take Rashad Battle and, and say they're not interested in him. I was a big fan of Rashad Battle. I, he was a uh, borderline three, four star, a, a big time defensive back. I thought Arkansas uh, could have uh, been a landing spot for him, but they took Kari Johnson instead. Uh, I like I like him. Six four, one eighty four, uh, kind of a rangy, kind of a bigger defensive back. Uh, kind of kind of what you want. And then, uh, let's see here, Ja'Cory Turner, linebacker, 6'2", 205 out of Atlanta. He's a good-looking guy, too. Uh, a guy that, if you need depth, he's going to be the quality depth that you need. Uh, how about Sam Pittman and, and that staff and his Georgia ties going out there and getting getting kids uh, out of that state? That That's a talent-rich state. Arkansas's uh, uh Never really had much uh, uh, of a pipeline there, but they're starting one with Pittman. Yeah, I I was two, two of those three for Georgia guys. Eric Thomas Eric. was a, a pretty good get, no doubt about that. Is he one of those situations? Because they don't have Florida doesn't have an offer, but I had heard they were interested. Do you feel like if they toss him an offer, he might bounce? I I don't think so. I, I don't think it's going to be a Putu situation. I, I, I hated that situation. Mm. Uh, it kind of made me uh, mad uh, when Florida did that. Them and Ole Miss were uh, doing some kind of shady stuff back then, uh, yeah, as Brett Bielema alluded to. But I don't. I think he's. I think his commitment is probably 99% safe, uh, unless a big time, big time school comes after him, which I don't see that happening so late in the process. I think he's pretty safe. And I want to add to that one. Uh, I know when I came on with you guys this summer and we were talking recruiting, I'd mentioned that just about any time that there might be a – like Chris Russell, perfect example. He was a two-star recruit committed to Memphis. And then Arkansas offers, well, here comes Texas. Here comes Texas A&M. Ultimately, he ends up going to Texas A&M. And this is actually something that Danny West said the other night that I was I was thinking before he said it. It's just so funny how once you get that first Power 5 offer or that first SEC yep. offer, it tends to be a lower school like Mississippi State or Arkansas. Well, then here comes Florida. Here comes A&M. Here comes Bama. And I think that, that was kind of a case, Jacob, you were talking about Florida, that they saw Arkansas offered. So it's like, okay, now we have to pull the trigger. And I know they haven't offered yet, but besides Arkansas, all he had was Colorado State. So yeah. I think that, that was another case just like that one that we saw with Chris Russell and that we see with so many others. Of the, and you saw that with Andrew Parker, too. Uh, yeah. Arkansas offered mm-hmm. him out of New Orleans, and then Texas and Texas A&M came uh, coming right like the week of signing day. And yeah. Arkansas, I mean, everybody thought, oh, man, this kid's about to blow up. He's a prototypical size for a linebacker, too. Yeah. Uh, was kind of underlooked out of New Orleans. So, yeah, there's a history of Arkansas being the first to offer late and other bigger schools uh, come in late, too, and then take them away after you think, after you think Arkansas's got them in there, you know. But I don't know if Ty's going to say this. There was some surprises. Uh, some of these kids that uh, came to Fayetteville this weekend were surprised by the facilities and how nice Fayetteville is. Well, when they realize, uh, wait a minute, 
wait a minute, Fayetteville's actually pretty badass. Maybe they don't all just chew tobacco and and, uh, ride around in their pickup trucks and their four-wheelers, a bunch of honky-tonk rednecks around here, although there's a lot of that, thank God, because, I mean, it wouldn't be Arkansas without it, but they realize there's more to Fayetteville, and I I think that five-star tackle probably, now I haven't heard his response, but I heard he had a good time. Um, once you, it's, it's funny, the outside presence, cause we, we asked, um, golly, who was that? We had a guest on that was from Texas and we asked them about just their thoughts on leaving Texas and coming to Arkansas and coming to Fayetteville and, you know, kind of how was that Nikki, uh, uh, not Nikki, uh, Melissa orange. Was it her? That, yeah, I, I think yeah, it, was Orange. it was. It yeah, was her. Florida. And she kind of had she had a lot of funny stuff to say about that. Yeah, coming from Florida, that's right. You know, Fayetteville and Northwest Arkansas, you don't – I guess people just kind of think of Arkansas as one way. We're a bunch of, you know, whatever. And uh, not that any of us have a problem with that, but it's funny when they get here, it's just, okay, there's something more to offer. And then you, then you tack on the facilities. You tack on Sam Pittman and his staff. Uh, you know, the people here are great. The opportunities, and I know no 16-, 17-year-old kid wants to hear about, hey, the NFL might not work out. You might want to try and, I don't know, graduate, or maybe you choose to come back and graduate or, or you know finish up school while you're still in the NFL. There's a lot of opportunities in Northwest Arkansas. So I think some of that stuff, you know, especially with the family, you know, they're in for something here that they haven't seen if they've never been here before. And I hope some of that rubbed off. Kyle, um do, well, either of you can answer this, really, but I'll go with Kyle first. Do you expect any commitments this week? Because you know how this goes. Last year, and, and under Chad Morris, his two years, it was like right after that uh, week, of you know, the final weeks of January when you're allowed, when the dead period's over with, and you can bring guys on campus, and you can talk to them and do this and that, and they have their official visits, they're in town for the basketball games, and then they commit that following week. We saw that last year. Do you think we see that this year? Do you think we get anybody to, to commit this week? And if so, well, who that might be? I, I actually am under the impression I would not be shocked that if, if Felipe Franks is already enrolled, I think that he's probably definitely on board. Um, I've probably been on good course to go through spring practice. You had to be enrolled by Friday, and I'm, I'm expecting that announcement anytime soon. Wouldn't shock me a bit. But for this part, like this week coming up, if I had to take a guess, I'd imagine it maybe be one of the running backs that visited either uh, Dejon, I believe is how you pronounce his name, Dejon Edwards, out of uh, – I, his school even is Colquitt County. Yeah, yeah, Col- yeah. It's Moultrie, Colquitt County. I think is how you pronounce yes, it. Yes, that's uh, where so he DJ was there. Smith's and then, from. yeah, and, and Ebony Johnson or Ebony Jackson uh, out of Canton, Cherokee, who's also a running back in Georgia. The, uh, you talk, talked about those Georgia ties. They for for uh, of course Sam Pittman and Jimmy Smith. I wouldn't be surprised if we got one of those guys. And if we happen to get one of those guys, maybe even one more running back, whether it be both of them or one of them and somebody else. I would not be shocked to see Dominique Johnson, of course, who is already a running back that's, that uh, signed with us out of uh, Crowley, Texas. I would not see, be shocked to see him move to linebacker if you get two more running backs in this class. So if I had to guess outside of Felipe Franks, it's probably one of the running backs that we see this week. That's a pretty red-hot rumor right now. is, And we're not saying that that's true, people, so don't freak out. Yeah, certainly but, not saying it's true. Yeah. I'm done with my blood bank guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if so, if 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 you're getting that, if you if you think that, hey, just email Kyle or hit him up on Discord and be like, <laughs> "You SLB, you said he was here." Um, but yeah, that's a red hot rumor. Kyle or uh, uh, Felipe Franks supposedly already enrolled, already here. This and that. I had someone text me, and they were like, "Hey, it's King. King's here. He's he's enrolled." And this was on uh, when was it? I think 
Friday or Thursday. Well, anyways, it was somewhere between Wednesday and Friday, and I freaked out. I I I hit up a friend of mine on Marco Polo, and I said, "Okay, I got to stop. I got to I got to calm down because there could be more to this." And then, of course, that turned out to not be true. By the way, for those of you on the outside looking in, he has, I believe it's Miami, right? He announced uh, King's going to go to Miami. Was that? Yeah, that's what it's looking like. I haven't heard anything confirmed, but it's uh, it's looking like 99.99% he's already there. And I'm, So I'm starting to think what I got, the information I got was probably smoke, and I'm supposed to flip that in there. Maybe it was code. You know, it was Morse code for, uh, no, that was actually Felipe Frank. So there could be something there. I don't know. Feel free to I don't know, rage at us on Discord if we're wrong or me ty hudson feel free I, i'm used to it but uh oh, that yeah, they will that uh that'd be huge to get him I, I know that there's a lot of skepticism around him and, and his inability to keep his starting job my god the guy got hurt at florida every florida fan i've had the opportunity to talk to they're excited for him they think we're getting a possibility assuming he comes here and enrolls that we could be getting a uh someone who'll help us out right out the gate um you know the question you guys know the Kyle question. Has a good take on it. What? I'm sorry. I think uh, Kyle has a really good take on Felipe Franks. Oh well, let's hear it. I want to hear it. All right. So it, here it, we go. I will say, I think it was. Uh, I think it was, I know it was Kelly, and I want to say it was uh, Ronnie that actually kind of changed my opinion a little bit in the Discord. Ronnie. Uh, so, so I think it was Ronnie. I can't remember. I know it was Kelly. I can't remember who the other one was. Uh oh. But uh, I will say this much about Felipe Franks. Look, I am. I, I am as open as it comes when because I'm not going to say, oh, this person's going to be bad or this person's going to be good because yeah. you got to just let the results play out. Exactly. But I will take another thing I will take to my grave, as I mentioned earlier, that I think Dan Mullen is the best developer of quarterbacks in college football. You look at now, Tim Tebow didn't have the greatest throwing mechanics and he was just a great player overall, surrounded with talent. He did good things with him. Look at what he did with Dak Prescott at, at Mississippi State. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I, I know I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm biased. I think he's been <laughs> in the NFL. But uh, you look at what he did with Nick Fitzgerald at yeah. Mississippi State, another guy that's really mainly a runner. And all the way back to Alex Smith. You don't, you don't forget that Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen coached Alex Smith when Utah uh-huh. went to went to I believe it was the Sugar or the Fiesta Bowl in two thousand the Fiesta Bowl in two thousand four undefeated season. I mean, this guy's got a track record of of developing quarterbacks. And look at what Kyle Trask was able to do this season. Now, I, earlier during, on the Discord chat, I, somebody did point out, look, he only threw seventy one passes last season. It's not really fair to judge him, which I agree with that. That's that's probably not fair. He only played like three games. But I don't know that I like the guy's attitude very much. I get it. He's a kid. Kids are, kids are stupid. I was like there too. I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm just saying in general, I know that I was one of those crazy early 20-year-olds, early 21-year-olds. Not me. I was perfect. <laughs> Go on. And he's got he's got the body of an NFL quarterback. He's got a cannon arm. I saw that against Tennessee two years ago when he threw that bomb to Tyree Cleveland. I think it was like 65, 70 yards to win the game. The guy's got a cannon. I have no doubt about that. But if Dan Mullen – cannot get the best out of you. And then Kyle Trask comes in and does what he does. And, again, I'm not trying to judge him off this season alone. He had a pretty decent 2018. I just don't know that I fully trust the guy. Now, he is an upgrade from what we have here, from what we have here right now. Nothing against Jack Lindsay, nothing, especially K.J. Jefferson and John Stephen Jones, the ones that we've seen the most of. Nothing against any of those guys. But he's definitely going to bring some competition that we need to the quarterback room. And I'm, of course, willing to give it a chance. But I am very skeptical of it. I'll just be honest right That's there. That's fair. I just think, yeah. So not giving up on him, not saying that it's a stupid, terrible move, but I am skeptical. I'll leave it at that. I I, I think that's fair. And I have heard some of the same things, that there may have been some 
uh, locker room stuff, maybe some off the field. I'm not going to say antics, but just some behavior that might be slightly questionable. And that is the last thing you need when you're a new coach coming in and trying to, you know, rally the troops and, I don't know, defy the odds, like getting somehow three wins. Like at Arkansas, that's where you're at right now. It's like three wins. Yeah, we'll take it right now. But I don't know if that's what you want. But at the same time, I think on the field, he is and would be your most ready and prepared to, to, to do that, to get you to those three wins than what you have. Nothing against KJ. You guys know who've come through my live streams on, on the PTN over on YouTube. I'm a fan of KJ in what he was running with Chad. I don't know what he'll do with this, this spread ISO offense. I don't know. Maybe he does something great. Maybe he doesn't. But they need someone in who has the experience, who, who maybe can lead them. I, I don't know. We'll see. If he enrolls, yes, we still have to we have to we have to remember he hasn't these are all rumors right now, but I'm with you, Kyle. I think that's some fair skepticism. Um, the the biggest question and I've I have I don't know how many probably three or four DMs on Twitter, what are the odds with this five star kid? What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds? The the Georgia kid. What have you guys heard? If if anything, I know he talked to the media. I believe maybe Trey Biddy or Nikki Chavanel, somebody, or maybe uh, Clay Henry. What have you guys heard? What, how do you feel about Jackson? Uh, and I'll start with Jacob, with with him. Now, I like him. I, I think he. Uh, I think you give him a a thirty seventy shot at flipping. I, I don't know Georgia. If you're committed to Georgia, I mean you're committed to playing for SEC championships and playoff opportunities and going to Arkansas, you don't know if you're gonna be able to win five or six games by the time you're a junior. Right. You're 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 believing in a coach with a plan. And I mean he loves Sam Pittman, they have a great relationship and a lot of the guys that were committed to Georgia were committed uh, on the offensive line were committed to Sam Pittman. I mean, you saw Tate Ratlich that, that you know, we, he was even considering following uh, Sam Pittman over there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you just don't know. Does it happen? Oh, that would be great. If it's not, okay, that's okay, because you still have a shot at getting Henderson out of Memphis and Jalen St. John. And, and But I would be okay if you don't get Broderick Jones. But if you do, hey, Jones, I'll God, take him. I called him Jackson, him. didn't I? Yeah, well, I we know it's man. Start with a J. <laughs> there you go. We were close. <laughs> go on. But, Sorry. I mean, you get you get Broderick Jones at the five star talent. You honestly, you honestly you 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 have a outside shot of getting the top twenty five class this year. Oh, I like that, Kyle. What what do you think? I mean, what have you heard? You, do you feel did anything this weekend make you feel more confident about getting him? Well, the fact that you get him on campus, we we hear Biddy and and Danny West and all those guys say it all the time that once you get these guys, it's the the, the biggest task is getting them on campus and so like like you guys mentioned outside of, like around Fayetteville Ty you grew up in northwest Arkansas it's there's a lot of a lot of uh woods and fields and a lot of a lot of hillbillies so to speak up there <laughs> and so but then once you get on the fate once you get onto the campus you're, you're blown away yeah and you, of course you get you know guys like Sam Pittman and this coaching staff that I think are very persuading to to not just the players themselves but the, their families their moms their dads and of course mama's going to make the decision a lot of the times or at least have a big big time part in that and obviously Sam Pittman has a relationship with Broderick already with his family and so the fact that he got him on campus absolutely I, I do think that there is a strong chance because once you get him there uh then it's the, of course, the campus sells itself. 
Uh, not that not that a lot of the other SEC schools don't have state of the art facilities either. Yeah. But but I, I've I've heard not necessarily from anybody extremely reliable that we have a very strong chance uh, of flipping him. And out of all, I mean, out of anybody that is committed. Uh, this is what I heard last night. Out of anybody that's committed to another school that is giving us looks, that that's the guy that we probably have the best chance of flipping. And he's like the 20th player overall in the entire country. Yeah, I uh, would probably start right off the bat, more than likely, or at least get a. No, I don't know if he would start right off the bat, but he would definitely get a a pretty good amount of reps, and um, would certainly be good to, in one of the areas that we're struggling at most. And so I. I I'm not quite ready to say that I feel really great about it, but I, I do feel really good about it, and I'm definitely I'm, I'm feeling better about it than I am not. If that makes any sense. Uh, that's yeah, okay, yeah, that's perfect. Actually, it's kind of what I was getting at there. My uh, of course my signal just dropped, so I hope you guys can still hear me. But I'm, I've got red on my ping there. Wonderful. That's just all we need. So we'll we'll finish this off with uh, reading Discord questions really quick. Kelly wanted to know about Felipe Franks. We already kind of answered that. Uh, let's see. Jay will update on recruiting, and specifically, could you give us clarity on this five-star offensive line prospect that was committed to Georgia? I think we I think we more or less already answered that. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add to what Jay will? If, if maybe you – anything you want to add to his uh, – or answer his question? Did we miss anything on, on him, on the five-star kid? I, I know with Jones, I mean, I think we hit just about everything and – uh, just about all the recruiting that came this weekend that I can think of. Well, hey, let's not forget, though, the uh, first year under Bielema and Sam Pittman, uh, they may have not started right away, but Denver Kirkland and Dan Skipper started the fourth game or the fifth game against Texas A&M in the SEC opener. So there could yeah. be a chance that you could see Broderick start early on. That's the advantage. That line wasn't that great. Yeah. If there's any advantage at Arkansas, I don't know what they're going to do at tackle. Um, I mean, obviously, the closer we get or, or when we come out of spring and get through spring camp and get into the summer, we'll know a lot more about about what's going on at the tackle position. But there's no doubt if he were to sign. I don't know what where he's at as far as early enrollee. I don't know if he'd be eligible for for, for spring camp or not. But whether is or not, he's he's going to have a chance to compete to not only get some playing time but possibly start, um, and that's got to be a huge advantage. And you know Pittman's probably pushing that. Um, Kelly with a good one. Class has gone from one eighteen to now top fifty. How much further will we rise, uh, Kyle? Right. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible question. Um, I it's, it's one that's that's up for debate. That you could either point at the possible 50s all the way and, and I that's very bold for Jacob to say top 25 but I, I don't think that it's great well and I say that I don't think that it's crazy uh, I, I don't know that we'll end up top 25 but I certainly think that if if this staff does what we think that they can do just based off of what we saw from early signing day I don't think it's nuts to say that they could finish within the top 30 top 35 um, so I yeah I don't I don't know that it'll be to where last year's was. I don't think that will happen. But um, I, I think that that's not crazy to think that they'll be that far outside of it. Um, I certainly think it'll be top 40. I definitely believe that. But either way, even if, if you finish in the 30s or 40s, compared to where you were, I believe the lowest we were at was 124 before they got Miles Slusher and, and uh, Ray Curry, those guys on early signing day. But, I, I, yeah, I don't think that that's insane to think about. I, I certainly think this will be at, at minimum – Top thirty-five. Yeah. I'll mm. say that. So, 
So say you get a Savion Williams back and Alan Horace and Jalen St. John. You think about Henderson out of, uh, uh, out of Memphis uh, White Station hmm. and you get a Dywan Edwards. Say so you get maybe a C.J. Dixon who is a borderline three, four star or you get one of those uh, borderline three, four star quarterbacks and then you uh, maybe get like a Javon Baker, who who's I don't know how they got him to visit, but that's another four-star wide receiver right yeah. there. And you and you think about it, or you get Car uh, Travis Marks. These guys are borderline three to four-star players. That's obviously going to, and you get up if you can sign a Broderick Jones. That jumps you, even if you get two of those guys from 48 to 32nd with the Broderick Jones. Yeah. So you get some of those other borderline four, three, four-star players. That raises your points up, especially on the uh, 247 composite score. It raises you up enough in the uh, composite rankings that Arkansas has an outside chance of being top 30 to a top 25 class. That's a dream scenario. But if you're wanting to be realistic, you can be. You can at least you have an outside shot of being 40. I think they're gonna. I as as these classes start to fill out we got to remember i don't know if they're going to take all 25 i don't know where you guys are on that last i heard they're not filling up all 25 they're probably going to shoot between uh 20 22 somewhere in there they're going to leave some spots yeah. open I, I, again maybe that's old news or it's outdated information but uh and then you got to think about the other classes the other teams that are going to fill up as we get closer and closer to february 5th i think it's going to be hard to even get top 40 um uh, top 35 top 40 i think uh would be a win for arkansas now again i'm i'm i try to be i'm not a sunshine pumper i've been told i am i've been told i'm a glasses half full kind of guy but i'm also you know i know you two are as well uh but i'm i'm just someone who's uh i know what arkansas is up against again i know you two know that I just I don't know, man. It it's gonna be tough to break into that top thirty five. They're gonna have to flip. I think they're gonna have to flip a couple of these guys and uh have a really good next official visiting weekend next weekend. Anything can happen. One thing you shouldn't do, and I'm doing it currently, is doubt Sam Pittman, and I'm doing that right now and uh, history tells us that might not be the smartest thing for me to do because of what he did here as an offensive line coach and his ability to, to dip into Florida and uh, surrounding states to grab these kids and also kids out in the Midwest. So anything's possible. But you know the other thing, too, is his ability to evaluate talent. Like someone we may only see as a three-star, Pittman sees something in him. If he's if he's offering him, especially in the offensive line or line of scrimmage, you got to feel a lot better about him. You're gonna well, say well, I think out of, out of the guys that Jacob mentioned, I, I'm very confident that we're probably going to get, especially since Steph is back, Justin Stepp, I think that we're probably going to get Savion Williams. Yeah, Savion. Yeah. Probably going to get St. John as well. I feel really good about him. Alan Horace, I'm probably about 80%. I actually know somebody here in San Antonio that's actually real close with him, and they, they're not really sp- – they know that I'm going to uh, spread the message without saying any names, so they haven't really been talking a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you, I think both of you bring up great points. Jacob, Jacob obviously talking about a, uh, a, a dream scenario, but I, I didn't think we had a – I didn't think we had a snowball's chance in hell of getting Miles Slusher. And here he comes in. I, I, I didn't think he was going to go to Oregon, but I thought for sure he was going to go to Nebraska. And Sam Pittman's pulled some so – he's one of the he's not one of the best recruiters in the nation for nothing. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I definitely think 35 is doable. Uh, 30 would probably be my limit at this point, just being realistic about it. 
But if you get a guy like Savion Williams, you get him and Darren Turner. And uh, I think I've told you guys, I've told somebody, Joe, Joe Adams was a, a teammate of mine in high school. And, and both of those guys, you watch their film, especially Darren Turner, a guy that was, I believe he was All-State on the, or no, I think he was All-State receiver, but he played a lot of defense. But that's how Joe was. He was Joe was an All-American defensive back. Corner, yeah. Lined up, yeah, we lined him up at quarterback. We lined him up at halfback. We lined him up at receiver. Basically, the only positions he never played was offensive and defensive lines. And when you have guys like that, like Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks is it's in a completely different world. But when you got if you've got Traylon Burks, Darren Turner, and Savion Williams all in the same roster, You've got to get. You've got three guys that can do so many different things at so many different positions. So getting Savior because he played quarterback all year for Marshall, Texas this past season, took him to the playoffs and all that good stuff. And so, man, that'd be huge to get Savior on. He's very underrated three star. He is underrated. I think twenty four seven actually has him as a four, but the composite score has him as a three. So you know, that's all the recruiting services combined. That's bizarre to me because. Everything you read on this kid is he is absolutely deserving of a fourth start. I, I know there's people out there who don't get caught up in that. Good for you. Good for you. Please tell me about it, Dad. Okay? I get it, Pops. You're over the whole star stuff. Okay, but sometimes it does matter. Ask Alabama. Anyways, uh, Joe Adams, it's funny you mentioned him. He was originally committed to USC as a corner. Yes. Yeah, he committed to USC before our first game my senior year. And uh, and there, I can tell you, I don't want, I don't want to – put a whole lot out there but i don't think that he and the warren guys would have gone to to arkansas had if houston nut were still there so mm-hmm. petrino knew that he was walking into a dream scenario of course with ryan mallet coming in as well so it all just fell into his lap perfectly. it was great you could just you could just see the the stars and the moon and the planets align when all that was happening with bob petrino here and then mallet transferring in from michigan you just you couldn't believe it. you're on cloud nine as a hog fan you knew what was going to happen and it happened and then so did a blonde on the back of a bike, and then that happened, and then Hog fans were forced with reality. And then also talking about being able to flip guys or being able to 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 do something unheard of. When Pittman went down to Florida, when he was here as an offensive line coach, and he went down and recruited Denver Kirkland. Do you remember his recruiting? He was. It sounded like he was Florida State or Miami bound, and he ended up picking Arkansas over all of them. So that's an out of state a, a a kid that. I mean, he kind of, I don't know, I thought he should have. We can go on about his career here at Arkansas, but, I mean, was amazing here at Arkansas uh, and, and definitely was a, was a high-quality recruit for them. And Pittman was able to flip him out of there, get him away from Florida State and in uh, Miami. And also what they did with, with Alex Collins out of Florida, too, and, and go on to Dan Skipper. Of course, I know Collins wasn't necessarily Pittman's guy, if I, if I remember his recruiting process just right. But anything can happen. And now that he's the head hog, he's pulling all the strings now, anything can happen. Uh, so I think we're I, – I, I agree they could potentially have a top 35 class. I think it's, it's I don't know, going to be tough. But, oh, my gosh, you get top 35, we're going to be doing high fives. Okay, that's where I'm at yeah. with it. Um, Tyler, this is Tyler Edmondson, not Tedmondson. So, for those of you in Discord, I have made that mistake multiple times. (laughs) I literally had him on here. We were doing a a little voice recording thing, a little commercial for the HTP, and I called him Tedmondson. And, uh, yeah, shouldn't have done that. But, anyways, he wants to know, thoughts on the Hogs, uh, will they respond or how they respond when they go on the road to Mississippi State? Uh, Jacob, what do you think? I know we touched on this a little bit, but – I think they'll win uh, just because of the hard-nosed defense and the the importance of not losing two games in a row. 
Musselman is a competitor. And not to take anything away from Mike Anderson and what he did, because he did win road games in Arkansas. But I feel like <laughs> the analytics that Pete Moser has and, and what they really rely on uh, with that coaching staff, with the analytics and the importance of, uh, you know, you go to a practice, and that's what I did early on during the Musselman era, is I went to a practice, and, and you have the posters on the board and, and what your opponents like to do offensively and defensively and you would just adapt to it they're so in-depth in what they do you just don't throw five guys out on the floor and say hey this is what we're going to do it's so detailed and and i feel like arkansas it, it's i've been an approve me i've been an approve me deal even though i picked them to win 19 games it's still been a prove me situation all year long and i think they have proven to me that it doesn't matter the opponent it doesn't matter where you're at arkansas's game and they're going to bring it every single night. And I feel, I feel like Arkansas has an opportunity to go to the hump and steal a victory uh, from, from Mississippi State this week. Yeah, as long as uh, Mason Jones doesn't turn the ball over 15 times. Uh, okay, also, Kyle, what do you How about just four? <laughs> you know I'm giving you trouble. Four? I know he's great. I love Mason. I just love giving you a hard time. Kyle, really quick, I know we're up against the clock here. What do you, what do you think? To yeah, I mean, questions. honestly, that's pretty much the same thing that I have. I, I just I won't believe that this team's going to lose back to back until they they prove that they do. The size, of course, I, I've mentioned it every single week on my podcast. I've had a couple of of uh, basketball analysts on, and that's the questions that I have for them about the, our lack of size. And so that's going to scare me just about every single game, uh, especially when you've got a guy like Reggie Perry that's as great as he is. And so, uh, but I, I do think that that Arkansas will squeeze it out. Just maybe by a few points. I said earlier that I think it's going to be either way a few points, and I think it's going to be in Arkansas's favor. I don't see them losing back to back. Yeah, I, that I have a hard time seeing that too. I'll give you guys my uh, for those of you in the Pig Trail audience. Uh, I'll give you my official prediction on Friday night. And to answer Mike Lane's question really quick, I already fired Logan. He's out. He's fired. Terminated. He got his walking papers. Uh, okay, Kyle, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Guys, go check him out over on the Tex Hogs. He is a class act. He's one of my favorite Arkansas content creators. We get a lot of envious, jealous content creators that are Hog fans for whatever reason, and yet Kyle, Kyle's out here keeping it classy, and he has a hell of a podcast. You just heard what he had to say. The guy knows his stuff. So, Jacob, also, you kick ass as always. Thank you so much. On behalf of the Hawk Talk Podcast, that's going to do it. Woo Pig Suey, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.